This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right. Thank you very much. Always nice to be put on the air with a friendly voice. I remember many years ago, it would have been 1935, I guess, I was on live every morning at 7 o'clock. And the announcer was hung over one morning, and he forgot to shut off his microphone after he put me on, and he said under his breath, that'll hold him. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'm grateful for my friends. Hello, radio friends. How in the world are you? This is your good friend, Bob Cook. And I'm so glad to be back with you. The miles drop away, and we're together for a few moments in heart, in spirit, and in the Word of God. It's beautiful relationship that God has given us, isn't it? Hallelujah. You and I are looking at 1 Thessalonians. We're in chapter 5, and we're looking at verse 12 today. He said, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and to admonish you, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now, there are two things that he asks us to do. First, there's the verb to know. We'll talk about that in a minute. And the second is to esteem, to hold them in high esteem. It says very highly, and that's an interesting word. I'll talk about it when we get to it. Then there are some things that he says those who are in a supervisory capacity in the church, leaders in the church, their job is, first of all, they labor among you. Uh, anytime you think that it isn't work to be in Christian work, you have, as my father used to say, another think coming. Oh, it's work. And it's uh, oftentimes grueling and stressful work. Labor among you. And that says, and are over you in the Lord. Now, Peter points out not being lords over God's heritage, but shepherds of the flock. If you're in Christian work, your job is not to boss other people around, but to lead them. Those who are proistamenus, they're set ahead of you, before you, leading, leading, leading the group. That's part of their job. And then it says they admonish you. And that is our word, the, the transliteration of it would be admonish or warn. Now that's the job that people have who are in leadership. And oftentimes it's not pleasant and oftentimes it's hard work. But there it is. All right, we've, we've looked at the words themselves. Now let's think about it for a moment, shall we? He said, we beseech you, brethren. Now, the word beseech is not the usual word that's translated beseech. This has to do with an, a request. We request of you. We request of you, brothers. Paul is so courteous and gentle. Uh, when he puts these points across. 
Small thought here. You never lose out by being courteous, even when you know that you are right and the other person may be mistaken. It is very important to a human being to be accepted even though he or she is mistaken. And so that the put-down that oftentimes we unthinkingly give others by being uh, obviously, obviously correct about something, uh, it, it hurts people and it uh, alienates them and it stops whatever work they might be doing for the Lord. You never lose out by being courteous and gentle. If you're going to offer criticism, as Dale Carnegie said years ago, make it like a sandwich. Put the criticism between two slices of recognition and appreciation and praise. When I first started to work for Scripture Press, I remember somebody said something that I have always remembered since. And that is, if you're going to praise a person, praise him in public so other people can hear. If you're giving somebody a compliment and others are around, oftentimes you'll find that he sort of steps back. You think he's being humble? No, said the teacher. He's stepping back so he'll have to speak louder so other people will hear it. <laughs> but if you're going to praise someone, praise him publicly. If you're going to criticize someone, do it just between the two of you and do it gently and mix it with appreciation. Good idea, wouldn't you say? Well, throw that in free. It's not in the text. I just brought it in. We beseech you. He was courteous. He was making a request. He said, know them. Now, that's an interesting word. It means, obviously, to, to know something or somebody. It also means to perceive, to understand. It means to watch and to see. It means, as someone has pointed out, to cherish. Ken Taylor's paraphrase of this verse says, Dear brothers, honor the officers of your church who work hard among you and who warn you against all that is wrong. Think highly of them. And so he, he brings the idea of honoring people, to know them, to watch them, to see them, to perceive what they're doing, to honor them, to cherish them, to understand them. It has to be said that many a church member never gave very much time or thought to understanding his pastor. We are quick to criticize our leadership. Oh, that was a terrible sermon. Oh, that was shallow thinking. Oh, that he needed more illustration. Oh, he doesn't call enough on the people. Or, oh, he's always out on the street instead of in the study. <laughs> you can't please everybody, that's for sure. But uh, it is a fact, isn't it, that we don't really give enough time and effort really to understanding and to honoring and to cherishing those who are in leadership over us. I suppose it's because we expect them to do a good job, and we also, because we are uh, members of a democracy, we expect that it is our right to criticize when we are displeased with something. And, of course, that's true. But you know you'd gain an awful lot of mileage in spiritual things in your church, in your Sunday school, in your committee, in your missionary society, if you would give some thought to understanding the other person. I've often told married couples who came for counseling uh, 
that it'd be a good idea just to spend some time trying to understand the other person. You'd be amazed how many uh, people fight, argue, quarrel, largely because they're not communicating. They're not, they don't understand what the other person, how the other person feels. Husband, spend a little time just studying your wife. What does she like? What does she dislike? What are the red flags that always produce a little tension and static in the air? And what are the things that, that produce uh, a pleasant atmosphere? What are her goals? What would she like to accomplish? Give some thought to studying your better half. And that goes for wives as well, I'm sure. I never was a wife, so I can't tell you, but <laughs> it's always good mileage to be found in studying the other person, right? Just for a chuckle, you know, I ran across this, uh, this story of the lady who went to her attorney and said, I have to have a divorce. He said, why? Oh, she said, I just have to have one. Well, he said, uh, do you, uh, do you uh, have a uh, grudge? No, she said, just a carport. Well, uh, he said, uh, does he beat you up? No, she said, I always get up before he does. Uh, well, he said, uh, what about if the divorce goes through? What about heirs? She said, that's a dirty lie. Mr. Ayers and I are just good friends. Well, he said, why do you want a divorce? She said, I can't understand a thing he says. <laughs> well, she was having a hard time communicating, wasn't she? Well, all of this just to emphasize the fact that uh, you get a lot of good mileage if you study the people with whom and under whom you work. I worked for a man for some time uh, who seemed on the surface irascible and uh, oftentimes unpredictable. But I began to realize that he ran his life and his business uh, on a series of operating principles which were fairly consistent. So what I did was, every time I discovered one of the principles on which he operated, I wrote it down. I still have those notes. I, in those days, I carried a big Leafax notebook. It's about three by six and a half. Made a big bulge in my coat pocket, the despair of my loving wife. But anyhow, there it was. And I put down those operating principles. And by and by, I began to understand how the man operated, how he worked. And the atmosphere was considerably warmed up when I began to understand the person who was over me in that relationship. You want to work on that in your own life, in your church, for your pastor, or in your own home for your better half, or on the job uh, as relates to your supervisor, your boss? Good idea. Know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Now, I pointed out at the beginning of this 
a short broadcast that Peter says, not as being lords over God's inheritance, but uh, as under shepherds. Not as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Feed the flock, taking the oversight thereof willingly, not for money, but because you're willing of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage. I'm reading from First Peter 5, the early verses there in that chapter. So you and I, if we are in leadership, are not to be bosses. But if we are in followership, we have to realize that God does have a plan that involves leadership and obedience and, and subordination uh, and uh, discipline. He says they're over you in the Lord. See, God has put the people who are over me, he has put them there for his own reasons. I may not like it. I may not approve of everything that's done, but where I am and what I am and under whom I am is part of God's provision. Let me glorify him in it. Well, time is gone, and we'll get at this the next time we get together. Dear Father, we love thee and we worship thee. Help us to be good followers of those who lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.